Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I on college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today we are, you're not going to believe this, continuing our summer shoot-around series that we're going to be doing over a seven-week span. We've already published episodes on, I know this is Norlander's favorite part, Arizona, Arkansas, sing it if you know it, Baylor, Connecticut, Creighton, Duke, Florida Atlantic, Gonzaga, Houston, Kansas, Kentucky, Marquette, Miami, Michigan State, and North Carolina. We're working in alphabetical order, so now we're turning our attention to the P word. The P word. It's Purdue. <laughs> it's a dirty word. It's a dirty it's word a, around here. It, it, it was for a minute last last March. Matt Painter's Boilermakers, 29 and 6 last season. Went 15 and 5 in the Big Ten. Won the league by three games. Won the league tournament. Got a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And you probably remember what happened next. They got fairly Dickinson. Final score, FDU 63, Purdue 58. The Boilermakers became just the second number one seed in history to lose to a 16 seed in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It was a terrible ending to an otherwise terrific season. The top four scores from that team are back, including CBS Sports National Player of the Year, Zach Eady. That's why I've got Purdue ranked second. In the top 25 and one, we'll see what Norlander thinks about that next. But first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the sun. 
a new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, Deadleg. Purdue as a preseason top two team. I got words. Oh, I got words too, though. All right, give, them, give me your words. Give me your words. Okay, let me do that again. Okay, okay Deadleg. Purdue as a preseason top two team. Do you embrace it? Or would you erase it? Okay, not bad. I feel like you might have done embrace before, but I don't have. I don't have that. I got. Will I ratify it, or will <laughs> or will I rebuff it? That's Ooh, the question. Okay, I'll use that next time. Okay, there we go. Top two team, certainly top three. I will embrace. I will embrace that. Purdue. So give me your top three right now. I won't hold you to it, but if you had to list uh, three schools right now, what are you doing? <laughs> I have not truly put thought into this yet. But off the top of my dome in the middle of August, do not hold me to this because there's a decent chance this will not be the case when I do my top 101 in October. Uh, in some order, I would have Purdue, Kansas, and I am uh, I am tempted to put Marquette in that top three. That would yeah, I'll go with that for now. But subject to change. But yeah, I think my, you, my, yeah, my top three, yeah. the top 25 one right now, Kansas, Purdue, Duke. But if you want to make an argument for Marquette, you can reasonably do that. I think you could make an argument for Michigan State, Florida Atlantic. Um, they, I don't know that there'll be a consensus top three, but Kansas, Purdue, Duke, Marquette, Florida Atlantic, Michigan State, as long as you're picking from those teams, you're picking from the right aisle. Without a doubt. Uh, by the way, congrats to Gene Cady, uh, of course, longtime Purdue coach who recently just got inducted uh, formally into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. Uh, congrats. So uh, times are times are swell right now in, uh, in Purdue land because, well, by the time you're listening to this, Purdue will have arrived back home after spending uh, some time overseas and in Italy and in Europe. And Zach Eady has been playing. Uh, he was not with the team because he has been playing internationally for team Canada. Um, but as they curl toward the season, uh, I, th- I think, I think we've talked a lot, a lot about teams and coaches with pressure on them. Does Purdue have the most pressure of any team entering this season? Gary Parish? No, but Purdue will have as much pressure on it as any team in America. The second, the NCAA tournament starts. Yes. They cannot get bounced unless by, unless they have a weird season. They're like a seven seed, but we're yes. operating under the assumption they'll they'll have a one, two, or three next to their name. The last three times they've been eliminated from the NCAA tournament, it has been by Fairleigh Dickinson, St. Peter's, and North Texas. Mm-hmm. That is something that is now connected to this program. You, these people will will. I don't know if they'll be dumb. Maybe they'll be smart, right? I'm just telling you that once the bracket's set, and let's just say Purdue's a top three seed, and if you're a top three seed, you are likely playing a low major or mid-major. You will have people immediately, like on Selection Sunday, it pops on the screen, and the Purdue Boilermakers will open with mid-major, low-major. People go, ooh, watch out. Ooh, you better watch out. That, that's what Purdue has to deal with now. It's 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 a must be a frustrating place for Matt, for that entire program, for the fan base. You are running Matt Painter. If you're Matt Painter, you are running one of the best programs in America. You just are. You are one of the greatest college basketball coaches working right now. He is. But 
at some point, uh, people want the success in March uh, to be a better reflection of what you've done in November, December, January, and February. And there's, you know, multiple examples in recent years where that just does not happen. And the whole, the whole who you lost to like matters. Mm-hmm. And they've been eliminated by Fairleigh Dixon, St. Peter's in North Texas. That can't happen again. Or, I mean, it can happen again. It might happen again. But, like, if you just want people to stop banging you with that, that can't happen again. This is – listen, in some ways it is fair. And in some ways, Painter doesn't run from it. I know this because I talked about it with him before they got beat by Fairleigh Dickinson. And then over the summer, we we wound up uh, talking about it casually. He, he is – all too aware, okay, yeah. of what of the, of the fact that uh, part of this is just doesn't matter until you get to March. Now, obviously, there's so much more that goes into that, but because Purdue, you know, three years running here has has been on the wrong end of some tough losses. Now, the St. Peter's one, of course, was not the first round; that was the Sweet 16. But you had a team good enough to go to the Final Four, one of the best offenses in the country. You had Jane Ivy, Travion Williams was obviously a force. Sasha Stefanovic, Eric Hunter. That team can't even get out of the Sweet 16 against St. Peter's. All credit to St. Peter's. They made it to the Elite Eight. It's one of the greatest stories in the NCAA tournament's history. Um, So, yes, there will be a lot of wake me up in March, and then we'll talk about Purdue and see what they've done. I won't even push back on that because I do understand it because at this point we're talking about a program that has no Final Four since, I know you know it, but for listeners that might have lost track since 1980. In fact, that could be one of the most referenced stats of the entire season upcoming, particularly Purdue again, is able to, you know, hover in or around top five status from week one all the way till Selection Sunday. They've only made one Elite Eight in the past 23 years. So, yes, we need to see more. Uh, we need to see more in March. There's no doubt about it. But we're going to take the wide angle view on this team and talk about who is here and what this team can be and will be. Um, let me just focus on Edie here. Uh, and I'm going to take a lot of this from Purdue's uh, uh, sports information. Uh, shouts to Chris Foreman, who does a great job. One of the best. The best. Wonderful. All right. Give me two minutes here because I'm just uh, – this is – he Edie was he swept the award had one of the best seasons honestly single seasons in the history of men's division one basketball and certainly in the framework of the past two decades or so he's on the short 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 list he averaged 22.3 points 12.9 boards 2.1 blocks and 1.5 assists while shooting 60.7 percent from the field and he was a 73 percent free throw shooter he led the country in double doubles was second in rebounds per game six in points 18th in blocks and 21st in field goal percentage. I might have mentioned this earlier in the offseason, but this is still stunning. Edie is the first player in the NCAA's database to rank top 25 in a single season in points, boards, blocks, and field goal percentage. It is astounding that that's the case. He's only the third high major player, I know I mentioned this, joining Beasley and Durant to be top 10 in scoring and rebounding in the past 20 years, man. He was the first NCAA player the first now blocks were in a, a recorded a, uh, statistic for a long time, not until the eighties, but the first one in recorded history, as far as the NCAA is concerned to have at least 750 points, 400 boards, 70 swats, 50 dimes. He had eight games of at least 30 points and 10 rebounds, which is the most by a power conference player in the last 15 years in 11 games last season. 
Edie had 25 points and 10 rebounds at least. That's the most of any person to come out of the Big Ten in 15 years. Luca Garza did this seven times. Edie, when he won National Player of the Year, Edie did it 11th. And how about this? He's the second player and the first since a dude named Gary Brads. It's a Gary in 64 at Ohio State to lead the Big Ten in points, rebounds, field goal percentage. He tallied eight straight 20-point games in November and December. A seven-footer hasn't done that in 25 years. Do you need more? I got one more for you. He had back-to-back games of at least 30 points and 10 rebounds in the Big Ten tournament. He's the fourth player in two and a half decades to go for 30 and 10 in consecutive conference tournament games, joining the likes of DeAndre Ayton, Evan Turner, and Tim Duncan. There's even more, but I've I've made my point. He was not just dominant. He was otherworldly dominant and one of the best national players of the year in a single season we have seen in a while. And credit to Trace Jackson Davis because he did shrink that race. Can Edie be even better? Here's my question to you after laying all that out, GP. Can't not can he? Will he be better? Will he be better? Okay. And will Purdue ask him or need him to be better? Because I think the facet about Purdue to me that I'm most intrigued to watch is the reason why I think you've got him too, and a lot of people have him top five is okay. Well, guess what? Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, they're gonna be sophomores. They should grow, they should be better. What will their roles be? Mason Gillis, Caleb first. They're great role players, but at a certain point, don't they deserve a little bit more of a chance? Will they need to? Is Edie actually going to stay about steady with what he was last year and the the cast around him will kind of rise up? How Painter deals with that, I think, is going to be fascinating because there's a case to be made that if you want to just let Edie just go Godzilla on the sport and be even more dominant, I think he's capable of that. But I almost wonder... If because of the way Purdue lost in the tournament, Parrish, if they might dial back the Big Edie knob just a bit and ask and demand that his cast be more productive and reliable because that might suit them better in March. What is your take on that? Okay, a whole lot of stuff here. One, I'll just answer your question plainly. Can Zach Edie be better? Yes, he can. But if you are expecting him to be better or if you need him, I'll put it this way. If you are Purdue and you need Zach Eady to be better, well, then like you've got problems because he, he better than what the unanimous national player of the year. I mean, that's a crazy place to set the bar. It be is. better than you were last season when everybody thought you deserved to be the clear cut national player of the year. Be better than you were last season when you were historically great. That's hard. You bring up Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. I actually think this is where the interesting conversation is to be had because you're right. You look at them and you go, my God, they won an outright Big Ten title by three games, Big Ten tournament, got a one seed. They were great all year last year with a freshman backcourt. I know. Those guys should be better. So now what? Except here's the other question people ask about them, and I'll ask you, are they good enough? They were really good freshmen who overachieved relative to expectations um, dramatically. They were borderline top 100 recruits who were combined to be the starting backcourt for the Big Ten champions. That is not normal. That is not normal what happened last year. But they did fade as the season progressed. Yeah, that's exactly undeniable. I think Painter, if he hasn't said on the record, he will. It is undeniable. 
that those two guards, they they started to slide majorly pair. So let me ask you, they clearly overachieve relative to expectations coming into their freshman seasons. Very good freshman guards. The goal should be to win a national championship at Purdue. Can you do it with them? I think because Edie is so great, I think they are good enough. And I think Purdue has the cast here to win a national championship because like Mason Gillis and Caleb first are a couple of players who could have decided to transfer, go somewhere else, and they would have played bigger roles. But, you know, it does speak to it does speak to what Painter has been able to build there. And he's even lost some guys to the portal in recent seasons that, you know, and, and there were shakeups there. But that's not the case here. I think that those two guards are good enough. There's also a player named Miles Colvin, played with the U19 team this season for USA Basketball. He could grow into a fun role player by January and really help them. I think he's 6'5", and, like, he's a shooting guard wing. He's got he's got fun potential. How much burn he winds up getting will be interesting. Um, GP can run down the rest of the roster because they got a transfer to know as well. But the the guard play and and those guys being able to – really withstand the rigors of a big 10 schedule is, is huge. And then I think it's, you know, again, no glory or happiness in bringing this up. And I wasn't, I, I watched the, the Purdue lose. I watched most of the second half. I, I was in Albany. So I'm sitting there in the media room and you've got, you know, like 30, 40 reporters just enraptured by this game, man. Like to see like this actually happened. And it wasn't exactly like UMBC, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, I am rocking the, do you retrieve in miracles breaking t-shirt shout out to uh, the Terriers there. And I don't, I don't wear it to, uh, to rub it into Purdue fans, but I wear it because I think that Purdue does have a healthy shot of pulling a Virginia and going from losing to a 16 seed to winning a national championship. And the way that Purdue lost to FDU, it wasn't like the UMBC just beat down a Virginia, but in the final few minutes, it did have this, inevitability factor like there was not i we did not get the moment in my opinion watching it and reflecting back on it where i thought okay there's a haymaker from purdue now we're back in doubt it was more like they're actually going to do this and everyone on purdue looks terrified right now that's what i remember they look like the moment has completely sucked out their innards and they just don't have it here and at a certain and like that's a that's a real thing and for a lot of players like and i'm i'm this comment comes based off of talking to players and coaches, frankly, because I've never done it. I've never experienced it. But like once you get to a stage in the tournament and the games feel different, you know, there's more people watching. There's way more attention. It is it is win or go home. Um, Those moments can really overwhelm you. And it wasn't just Lawyer and Smith, but in particular, undeniably, it got too big. It got away from them and they did not look comfortable and overcoming that this offseason and really living through it as sophomores is going to be a major impact. I think they're good enough to do it, and I do believe in Purdue to yet again be a top-five team. I have never gone back and rewatched Purdue Fairly Dickinson, but I, what I remember about it is that it looked like the moment got to him. Not being a one-seed in the display tournament, but being behind in the second half to a 16-seed. Things got really hard for Zach. And not only did nobody step up, it looked like nobody had the proper state of mind to step up. Like they just like, all right, who can, hey, things are hard for Zach. Who can go get a bucket? Who can make a shot? It didn't look like anybody else on that court wanted the ball. There, I don't, I'm not going to name them because I don't remember exactly who it was. But there is a moment I remember where somebody had a wide open three. 
And the reason they have a wide open three is because all the attention's on Zach Eady, and they just wouldn't shoot it. And it was like, okay, they they're scared. They're and scared. Maybe that's a, a too harsh of a word. They they look right. like they got they look like they got rattled, and they they undeniably got uncomfortable. And the result was the result. And and that is why I agree with you. Everybody's going to have them in the top five. It's why. And maybe the reason they won't be preseason number one is simply because Kansas should be, right? Maybe that's the answer. Or Duke should be. But I know I know how Twitter works well enough to know that if I would have made them my preseason number one, people would have it would have been mocked. Like, oh, oh yeah, the team that lost to Fairleigh Dickinson is gonna go win the national championship. But that is exactly what Virginia did. And Virginia, I'm with you. Oh yeah, Virginia was Virginia mock like this forever. Like, yeah, that was just part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, but like, I will not be surprised if Purdue wins the national championship. But but what was what would have surprised me is if I would have put Purdue number one and everybody was like, yeah, cool, I get it. Because like you should get it. By the way, they're number yeah. one preseason at Bart Torvik, outright Big Ten champs, number one seed, return your top four scores. That's not hard to justify and, and, and again <laughs> the seven foot four matchup nightmare might be putting it too lightly there is, he has no equal in the sport he has no close equal in the sport so even more so why purdue has a chance i put purdue preseason number one two seasons ago the season they wound up losing to st peter's and that kind of they got they started to crest i mean listen i, I don't want to just take too much credit but i feel like I, I you know i set the pace there and people finally caught up by october Point is, I did it two years ago because I believed it could happen. This team's even better, so I, I probably will talk myself into preseason number one for Purdue because there's just there's enough there, man. Like they don't lose a lot, and they have so much. And Painter as a coach, March disappointments aside, like it, the guys who get paid to coach in this sport, like he is considered top five, top ten level. Uh, so you know, not to say that Purdue, it's Purdue. I understand. Like at a certain point, you just wonder if like the mentality of something like starts to creep in. Yeah. There's a chance they could be a letdown. There, there is that chance. And Oscar Shibwe wasn't as dominant as Edie was, but Oscar Shibwe followed up a national player of the year season with a good, not great season. So anything's possible, but the floor is just so high here. I mean, right. the floor is just incredibly high. I got a couple more things, but keep going. Well, one. I mean, you, you look at a possible projected starting lineup, right? And, I mean, we'll see what happens, but it could, in theory, be Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, Ethan Morton, Ethan Morton, Caleb Furst, Zach Eady, right? Those mm-hmm. guys have combined to start 154 games last season. Not in their careers, just last season. Smith, 35 starts. Lawyer, 35 starts. Morton, 29 starts. First, 21 starts. Edie, 34 starts. He only played in 34 games. Mason Gillis, also on this roster, started 15 games last season. The only things they lost were Brandon Newman. He started six games. He transferred to Western Kentucky. Then David Jenkins, another notable loss, I guess. He averaged 15 minutes per game last season. He's exhausted his eligibility. So, if you can ever get the 40 minutes of basketball against Fairleigh Dickinson out of your head, um, they are returning almost every piece that mattered from a team that was awesome. And so, yeah, I have them number two instead of number one. But if somebody wants to put them number one in the preseason, it, it makes some sense to me. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Um, I, I do want to just focus on Fletcher Lawyer for a second because I think he's interesting. Caleb Love takes a lot of bullets for his style of play. My God, why does this guy shoot so much? He doesn't make them. He's inefficient. Caleb Love, true shooting percentage last year, everybody would agree he's terrible. Terrible last season for North Carolina. But better than Fletcher, is that what you're about to say? Well, just listen to the numbers. Then you tell me. Okay. Caleb Love's true shooting percentage was 49.1%. He shot 37.8% from the field and 29.9% from three. Fletcher Lawyer, last season, 50% true shooting percentage, shot 36.7% from the field and 32.6% from three. So Lawyer is 0.9 percentage points better as it pertains to true shooting percentage. Slightly worse from the field, slightly better from three. The big difference is Caleb Love took 15 shots a game and Fletcher Lawyer took 10. But Fletcher Lawyer, he he did um, rank second on the team in field goal attempts with 338. He took 98 more shots on the season than anybody else at Purdue other than Zach Eady. And I'll just keep it simple. If you're going to take the second most shots by far on a team, you can't be sixth in true shooting percentage or else the numbers ain't working. I think that's fair. And that's another reason why Purdue as a team, it was fifth in three-point accuracy the year it lost to St. Peter's, 21-22. It went to 286 in the country from three-point range last season. Like it just fell off. Now, a big reason why that drop didn't result in more losses is that Purdue got it done at the foul line. They didn't foul. They Purdue made 586 free throws. Its opponents attempted 389. Purdue had fewer fouls committed than anyone in the country. To your point with Lawyer, they were they were good enough in other areas. Like they were third in offensive rebound rate. Like Edie was great. So that didn't become an issue but if you're going to be an elite team yes you're if the the guy that's second on your team in shots attempted and i would think that it will be fair that lawyer will be second on the team in shots attempted again this season um you need to make more of them so that it doesn't have to be a situation where purdue like because of its because its o rebound rate was so good like it had more second third fourth opportunities um and then it just didn't have people going to the line didn't have opponents there um but between that and 
on this note, lawyer and some Braden Smith, Purdue was minus 1.2 in turnover margin per game last season, scored fewer points off turnovers than its opponents, and that does fall on those guards. So they were freshmen. Let's let's you know assume that they can grow and and not maybe even necessarily be marginally better, but but markedly better, and that's going to be the case. Then yes, they this team can be better on the whole than it was last season, but they got to show it. They got to prove it there. And there was some knocks on their size, like they weren't short on confidence uh, and and charisma. But at a certain point, uh, you know, the ceiling on their athleticism and, and their overall size, like that can that can be a knock against them. And they're going to have to overcome that uh, to a certain extent. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But um, they they certainly. They, they've got guile and if they're shooting if their decision making improves collectively then that might be what unlocks purdue to be not even a second weekend team but make the final four i mean that to me that's the big that's the most interesting thing about this team i'm not concerned about zach Eady. like zach is going to be great a statistical monster again i know i just don't, i do I, like i'm with you to circle back here continue thought mm-hmm. i'm sorry to, but like i want to say this at least one more time i i while it would be uh something amazing to watch the idea that if like Zach Eady is even more ridiculous, but then Purdue is just on a night and night, like let's, let's tune in and see if Edie goes for 35 and 26. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Like if that, but I just, I can't get myself to a place where if he's doing that, if his numbers are even better, that I think Purdue is a better team, better position to roll into March. I, I, and I think Painter would probably agree. Like you, you don't. If I tell you right now that Edie's averaging three or more points per game, and you know boards are boards, I guess you'll take them. I, I just don't know if that is going to be the right uh, combination. But I could I could be dead wrong on this. But I I, I tend to think that it's got to be the other guys that step up. Yeah, I, I'm that the, Purdue, and you mentioned this earlier. Hadn't been to a Final Four since 1980. That is, I, you can't imagine. I mean, how many times I said that last year? And Matt Painter trying to get the Bullermakers to the Final Four for the first time since 1980, and Zach Eady trying to lead Purdue to the Final Four for the first time since 1980. Like for our purposes, Purdue hasn't been to the Final Four since 1980. As the new Arkansas hadn't made the Sweet 16 <laughs> since 1996. Like yeah. that's just a thing now. Like I didn't grow up a Purdue fan. I don't live in West Lafayette. I know that now. Purdue hasn't been to the Final Four since. That's not something I'm just naturally supposed to know. But I know that now because I've said it a million times, and it'll be something we all keep saying until they they actually get there. But if they get there, it it won't be because Zach Eady was awesome again, although obviously they can't get there without him being awesome. Mm -hmm. They'll get there if the the guards were consistently good, consistently good, and not a liability because... For what it's worth, uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, they were 6 of 20 from the field in the loss to Fairleigh Dickinson, 4 of 14 from three. And on the season, they shot 34.4% from three overall, which isn't great, but it's okay. Passable. In the losses, in the six losses, those freshman guards combined to shoot 25.5% from three. Now, I know what somebody might be saying. Oh, hmm, that's interesting, GP. So you're telling me that when your guards don't shoot well from three, it's harder to win. I got you. I hear you. But it is undeniable. In the six losses that Purdue suffered last year, a common theme was that those freshman guards um, did not shoot the ball well. And, you know, Purdue lost games when Zach Eady was awesome. Purdue... I don't think ever lost a game when Smith and Lawyer were good. I think every game they lost, those guys were 
were not too good. Good note and uh, yeah, good observation there. This is, by the way, um, listen, I got the biggest player. This is our biggest uh, summer shooter on episode with good reason. There's a lot to get to with Purdue and they're going to be among the most intriguing teams to watch here. I got a schedule ready for you if you're about ready to do over under. Walk me through it. All right, here's the schedule. This is complete publicized. Obviously, we don't know the Big Ten slate, uh, but here we go. So they'll open with Sanford and Moorhead State. They're going to host Xavier. They'll host Xavier in the Gavit Games. And then we are recording this uh, in an effort to make sure you had this episode ready for you bright and early on Monday morning. We are recording this heading into the weekend. So there is, I guess, a chance that we could have an update on the status and location of the Maui tournament. Purdue is in that. We don't have that as of tape time, but they are in Maui. They will play Gonzaga. Uh, then they will get either Tennessee or Syracuse. The other half of the bracket is Kansas, Marquette, UCLA, Chaminade. Uh, just like a year ago, when we did shoot around, and this speaks to the tournament in general. They're always just loaded, and so many of the best teams get talked about in the shoot around. So we've talked about Maui plenty. Um, continued thoughts and prayers to what is just really one of the most disturbing uh, natural disasters in the history of our country there. Uh, sincerely, we know we have listeners that are based in Hawaii and uh, the news keeps coming in every single day and it is uh, continues to be grim. So genuinely uh, our, our thoughts and prayers with everyone there. And we hope that uh, eventually down the line, we can get clarity on Maui, but that is way, way, way down the list. Continuing the schedule, Texas Southern at home. Then I love this. They're going to play Alabama and Toronto. That is where Zach Eady is from. So I'm loving the fact that Eady's going to get go back to Toronto. And I'm almost positive that in doing that, this is uh, a major opportunity when he actually gets back there and he's doing it. Some of it, uh, he has been doing it as of late because he's been, uh, or he had to go to Canada. That's how he gets a lot of his NIL because that's where he's from. So they'll play, Al- they'll play Alabama and Toronto. Uh, they'll play Arizona in Indianapolis. They'll host Jacksonville. They'll host Eastern Kentucky. Here's the big 10 slate. Only home games, Michigan state, Purdue, because of the way this, the cycles, they only play each other once. Could be the two best teams that is going to happen in Mackey Arena, as mentioned on the MSU episode, it's been something of a house of horrors in the past decade. They also only have to host only one time Minnesota and Penn State. Those will be automatic W's. Only on the road against Maryland, potentially tricky. They're going to walk right into Pinnacle, and then they get Ohio State. They're going to play twice against Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, Northwestern, Rutgers, Wisconsin. I'm going to do the non-con big ones one more time. Xavier, in Maui, you're going to probably have two or not probably definitely have two power conference teams. Almost certainly it'll be three. I can't imagine how Purdue winds up playing Chaminade. And then you've got Alabama, Toronto, Arizona, and Indianapolis. I am setting the highest over under of our shoot around series with this. I think, I don't think I win as high as 26.5 on any other team, but someone correct me if I'm wrong. I'm setting the Purdue over under at 26.5 heading into the big 10 tournament last season. Purdue went under at 26 and five. They bring back most of the team. You just heard the schedule. What's Purdue's record going to be heading into the big 10 bracket. That just seems so high. Do you have them number two in the country? Yeah, but they play in the big 10. You have them number. Do you have number two? I mean, they, they would, they would have to be 27 and four. Correct. And, but it's not on. I thought about this. You have teams that head into conference tournaments. Okay. But they play league. in Maui with the preseason number one. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So they, that, that's, that should be one. All right. I mean, they can win it, but that should be one. Yeah. And then they could only lose three. I mean, they were awesome last season. They went 15 and five in a big 10. They won it by three games with a 15 and five record. Sounds like you're taking the under. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, like uh, both these things can be true. I think Purdue's going to be great, but I don't think they'll have 27 wins heading into the Big Ten tournament. 
That's I mean, that's a really high bar. I would as you were talking through it, this is where I got. I'm gonna go one non-league loss. Yeah, we not the two. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree one. with you by the way. The one non-league loss is why I settled on 26 and a half. I yeah, agree. I'm, one I'm gonna go one. And then I'm just gonna replicate last season's Big Ten record, 15 and 5. So that's six. 31 minus six gets me at 25 wins heading into the Big Ten tournament. I think that Purdue will be level, if not slightly better than it was a season ago in the regular season. I got him one long non-league loss, and I got him going 16 and four in the Big Ten. So I'm going under, but I'm going at 26 and five for the Boilermakers in another one seed season. Uh, to me, Big Ten's a good league, but you know, at Maryland, at Nebraska, at Ohio State. Maybe. I mean, they could get picked off there. The, the home the, the home games are, you know, Michigan State can be tough. We'll see about that. And then, you know, the questions with, you know, Rutgers, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan, Indiana, Iowa. I, there's just a lot. To me, if, when you compare Purdue to those teams, and Big Ten's always has a way of, of, of tricking us a little bit, I guess. Uh, I like their chances to have a very, very good season. So, yeah, I'm in. I'm in, I'm in on it. And I know a lot of people will be like, yeah, you idiots. Uh, just wait and see. We're not talking about the tournament talking about what they're going to do in the regular season and uh we just spent more than 30 minutes building the case out that so i'll back it up with the record position i am going under but barely 26 and 5 for me to your point about the big 10 um if you go to torvik's preseason rankings it's purdue one michigan state eight nobody else in the top 25 i feel like this just got mentioned on a recent shoot around um so um you know but like in that league you just lose a game at at Wisconsin, or you just well, they literally it. remember they were number one undefeated. They got picked off by Rutgers out of nowhere. Yeah, so you just that, that you, yeah. you just lose at Maryland, or you just lose at Iowa. Like that type of stuff just happens in that league. So I think they're going to be great. I think they're going to win the league again. I think they're going to be a one seed again. But twenty seven wins heading into the Big Ten. Tournament. I think they can do it. I'm not. Oh, I think they can do it. They. I think they can do. I think they can do it. I just think if you were to call. Ken Palm or Bart, and you said, hey, run the numbers on it. What should I do here? They'd say take the under. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, they'd say take the under. So I'd take the under, even though I think the – I'm only taking the under because I think you set the you set the bar too high. Fair enough. By the way, I forgot to mention this at the top before we recorded. eBay link is live. It's in the podcast description. If you want to bid, please bid. And it ends August 25th, second bonus episode – Please be sure to go and bid and get that done. Spread word. We want to uh, raise as much money for St. Jude as possible. I'm debating, like, if we can get the bid to $1,000, like, have Gary Parrish FaceTime you with your buds or something like that. You know, like a cameo, except it's not exactly a cameo. I'm thinking something like, do you think that, think if I put that out there, tease it, get to $1,000 bid, will you do it? FaceTime the winning bid if it gets to $1,000. 10-minute conversation about their team. You'll do it. I mean, you have to be a jerk to say no, right? <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, I kind of put you in a corner. Though. Like, I won't, I won't make a video for for people to don't for for. It's Saint not Jude. a video. You got to Facetime them, which oh, means yeah. they got to know your number. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> think about that. Yeah, I might have we'll to. Face- see. If we get if we get close, and we'll update it. Thousand dollars. That's fine. Yeah, I'll do it. I will Facetime with somebody, and if they <laughs> ever text message me again, I just block them. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm not about blocking people. <laughs> like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Yes. I mean, at this point, I've been giving my phone number out for so many years. Like, I can't tell. Like, I get text messages from people all the time. And it's like, what do we do? Yo, 
yo, you should not be text messaging me this much. <laughs> like, we don't know each other. <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> like, I get text messages people sometimes. They'd be like, GP, you watching this Michigan game? It's like, yo, man, what? I don't even know who you are. <laughs> what are you? Relax. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to wait till like week three of the college football season. I'm just going to text you that out of nowhere. You watching this Michigan game right now? <laughs> no, I'm talking about it might be, and I'm not trying to like, whatever. I mean, it's not, it's never a big deal, but this is, this is, it'll be Why like these a, plebeians messaging me. What it'll is be like a, right now? a producer on a radio show that I went on once <laughs> three years ago, but they have my number. And like they just want to know, hey GP, what are you hearing about the Pac-12? Like what? Uh, who are you? Who is this again? And then I Google their name. It's like, oh yeah, so and what? What are we doing? Here's the thing. Yes, yes is my answer. If somebody, if somebody was really willing to donate a thousand dollars to St. Jude in addition to us doing the episode for the school of their choice, even junior colleges, even JUCOs. Again, you're in on this JUCO. Thing. I guess I'm not opposed to it, but. I figure if you're a fan of a JUCO, you've all, you're also a fan of the D1 team, and so wouldn't you rather us have it talk about it? I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to leave JUCOs out. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's all. I'm, yes. In addition to us doing an episode on the school, you know of your what? Choice. I'm into. You can. You can. I'm in. You know, I'm not going to just do that and not be accountable. If the bid gets to a thousand dollars, not only will you get the episode about your team, we'll do a group FaceTime, talk about whatever you want. You and if you want to loop in a, a buddy or something, let's not get crazy. It's it's the winning bid, and if there, I understand that you know you might be three or four of your buds that uh, uh, guys and gal pals that get it done, but you gotta get to a thousand. That's the deal. If it doesn't get to a thousand, then it's off the table. You get to a thousand dollars, meet that leg, jump on Facetime with you, and uh, you know we'll talk about premarital sex or whatever you want for a little okay. while. You know, you handle that part of it. All right, I can't wait to handle that part of it. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hug. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to the Eye on College Basketball podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify. Rate it. Review it. There's more of us than there are of them that needs to be reflected in the comments. So please do that and understand. Next up, ooh, we're making a jump in the alphabet. I believe we go from the P's to the S's. Okay. San Diego State. My Aztecs. They're up next. Till then. Take care. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.